You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 260. Today, I'm talking to Brooke Castillo as we take a look inside the mind of an eight-figure entrepreneur. So, stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So, how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now, with over 2 million downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? James Wedmore here. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Mind Your Business Podcast. Happy Monday. Hope you're all doing well. I'm actually coming to you on the road again. I am here in beautiful Sedona, Arizona. This is my home away from home. I swear, you're probably sitting there going like, does he go there like every month? Uh, Not every month. (laughs) Not every month. Not yet. This is, uh, I think right now I'm pacing about three times a year. I was actually just here in December. I love it. So we just ran an intimate mastermind retreat for some of our coaching clients that were participants during one of our live events. They competed in a competition that we have and they were the runners up. And so as one of the gifts is we gave them a two day mastermind. And of course I'm like, well, if we could do this mastermind anywhere in the world, where would we do it? Of course, Sedona, Arizona. And then we just finished that up yesterday, that two day mastermind. And for the next couple of days, I'm gonna be here with my executive team doing 10 year vision planning, which will kind of come relevant in today's uh, guest, our special interview guest. And then the rest of my team is flying out to Sedona and we have our big annual team retreat. And I'm so excited for that. So this is a really fun week for me. It's a really special week because it's so creative. It's reflective. It's this time where we get to think big, you know, like those things you just love about being an entrepreneur, right? New ideas, new possibilities, and we're collaborating, we're connecting with the team. And then we like go hiking. And then we're doing something called horse painting, which I've never done before, but apparently it's an activity that you can do in, in Sedona. So I'll update you on that because I haven't done it yet, but there's literally horse painting. I guess it's a therapeutic meditative process where you connect with a horse and you paint on the horse. Now it's not permanent paint, it comes out, but I'm very excited and intrigued. I like to do weird stuff like that, obviously, so I'll be reporting on that. But then we're just gonna go hiking and uh, have a lot of fun. So I'm really excited, it's a really great time. So if my audio quality isn't perfect, it's only for this little intro here. And uh, then we get to the to the mic, but that's because I'm sitting here like in the corner of our Airbnb, like sitting on the ground recording for my little USB mic. So hopefully the audio is good enough for you for this intro. So let's get into our, today's special guest. And uh, if you've been following me on Instagram, which let's face it, uh, you most of you have. Uh, if you're not, why not? You know, get on over there at James Wedmore. But we've been kind of teasing about this interview for some time, and was so excited. And this is this is Brooke Castillo. Brooke has an amazing podcast and she's the CEO and co-founder of the Life Coach School. And if you didn't know, she talks about her uh, journey of how she she took her business, let's see, I think she's now in her 13th year. She took her business to over $17 million last year. 
which is extraordinary. And now she's got a big 10 year vision for her business of a hundred million. In fact, we have the same goal as a hundred million for our business. And so what we did in this interview is we had an amazing chat, an amazing conversation with, you know, a lot of her journey, you know, the mindset and the thinking of successful entrepreneurs and really how that mental strategy really has to change to get to that eight figure level and what she's starting to do differently to start thinking of that nine figure level. And this doesn't mean, oh, I'm not there yet. So this is irrelevant to me. Oh, contraire, mon frere. The more we can start thinking this way now, the quicker you're going to get to whatever that next milestone is for you. But notice how important it is that it comes to a different mental strategy, a different mental approach. You know, what what we run into with so many entrepreneurs is they've maxed out their clients and they've maxed out their time and they've hit a revenue ceiling. And they're saying, I want to grow, but I have no more time left. Yet here comes an entrepreneur like Brooke strutting down the street saying we did 17 million last year and chances are she works less than you. So what gives, right? And considering the fact that she has a, an extraordinary and impressive background, a level of mastery in the realm of coaching, it would behoove all of us listening to pay close attention to how she sees business differently, how she sees her time, her value, and really get a hint into her mental strategy because success leaves clues. So I have to assume that most of you already know of Brooke because as we started teasing that she's coming on the show, so many of you wrote in saying how much you love her. And if you don't love her already, I just know by the end of this episode, you absolutely will. And I couldn't encourage you enough to listen to her podcast because what so many of our listeners already attest to is how aligned both her and my podcast are. She opens up a bit to her relationship with the woo and her perspectives on it. I just think she's amazing. I really do think you should be listening to her podcast because we do, my team does, and we just love her. We're a huge fan of her. And I'm so excited for this conversation because I just think it's really special. So let's give you the official bio so you just know a little bit more about Brooke if this is your first time being introduced to her. So she's the CEO. She's the co-founder of the Life Coach School. It's also the name of her podcast. Uh, She's now in her 13th year of business. She's coached thousands of clients individually and in groups to improve their lives, their weight, their businesses, and their careers. She is a master certified life and weight coach who provides an example of what is possible. And like I said before, she also hosts one of the most highly rated podcasts on iTunes, the Life Coach School podcast. And she's just an extraordinary human being, and I can't wait for you to meet her. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Brooke Castillo. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me here today. I'm with my very special guests, Brooke Castillo. Yay! Hey! <laughs> I'm so stoked to be here. Let's do this. I'm I'm stoked to have you. I'm stoked that you use the word. Right? Let's see how many times we can use it. (laughs) That'll be the word of the day, which means you're watching or listening to this a second or third time, you can turn it into a drinking game. (laughs) Take a shot. Except that I don't drink at all. So just No, no, we won't. I don't drink either. But everybody listening, they can uh, take it. As long as you're not driving. Yeah. Every time Brooke says stoked, take a shot. I love it. Found (laughs) something. So we're really excited to have you on the show. I think you're extraordinary. You're amazing. All the things. And I want to make sure my listeners know that if they don't know you yet. So could you take a minute and just share a little bit about what you're about, who you help, how do you help them and, and all that? Sure. So I run the life coach school. So I help 
people who want to use life coaching techniques to make their life better. And I also train life coaches who want to have a profession being a life coach in the world. I think we're the best life coaching school in the world. Like I know people say stuff like that about themselves, but I like genuinely believe it because of the tactical techniques and mind techniques that we teach at the school. That's so awesome. And you've been doing this for a long time. 14 years. 14 years. Wow. Is that how long you've been doing it online? I don't even think I had my driver's license 14 years ago. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I think I did. I think I was... (laughs) You know what the problem is, James? All of us old people think that everyone's our age. And then they tell us that they were like born in the 80s or 90s. And we're like totally confused that people were born then. We have people on our team now. Like that continues. So I'm 35 and we have okay. a team that are like just turned 21. And they were right. like born after Jurassic Park came out. Right. And I'm like, that's not even something that you've experienced in your life. That's crazy to me. So My kids I, didn't know who Richard Pryor was. I'm like, but, what's happening? What's happening? The world's passing me by. Right. Um, but this is amazing. I got to ask really quickly, how did you get into this? Life, life coaching and, and teaching what you've been doing for 14 years. Yeah, that's a great question. I knew that I wanted to do something that helped people. I read my first self-help book when I was like 14 years old. What was it? Do you remember? <laughs> women who love too much. Oh. <laughs> I was breaking up. I was Robin Norwood. Come on, women. You know what I'm talking about. When you have a boyfriend that breaks up with you and you're like obsessing about the fact that your life is now over when you're 14. And I went to the bookstore, bought that book. It totally changed everything about my life in that moment. I knew for sure that I had to be what that was. And she was a psychologist. So I went to school for psychology thinking that was the answer to being what Robin Norwood was doing. But really what happened in psychology, you study what is wrong with everybody. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I got very depressed and frustrated studying that. Talk about it. Right. So I decided that I didn't want to be a psychologist and I went and worked at Hewlett Packard instead. (laughs) (laughs) It's obvious. uh, Obviously that was the next step. And what happened was while I was working there, I saw on Oprah, this woman, Martha Beck, go on Oprah and talk about being a life coach and what a life coach was. And that moment right there changed my life forever. I'm like, that is what I want to be, not a psychologist. So I immediately signed up for her program became a life coach oh, wow. years ago, 14 years ago. It was at the time her program was two days. Like you would just go to a hotel and sit with her for two days and then instantly you were a life coach. Yep. And you walk awesome. around and just start coaching people. But nobody knew what life coaching was then. Everyone asked me what sport I was coaching. Yes. Right. Exactly. Like, Oh, so like volleyball or right, right, right. Totally. Okay. So tell me what was it like having your first coaching client then after that? Oh my gosh. It was everything. Right. You know, that moment where you just lock into your life. Like for me, I will never forget it. It was so amazing. The woman hired me to be her coach and she was a coach through like the international coaching federation, which at the time I thought was like super big deal, but it didn't matter. As soon as I got on the phone with her, we started coaching. I was like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I love that. Okay. Um, Yeah. Here's a question. I feel like you're going to have a great answer to no pressure. What is the definition of a coach to you? Oh gosh, that is a great question. Mm. So usually the question is, what's the difference between a therapist and a coach, right? So I, I have that answer for that. So I think a coach, the way that I'm a life coach is someone that just helps you witness your own mind so you can change it to get what you want. Yeah. Notice the keywords. So you can change it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not, not Brooks can go change it for the you. The coach can't change it. Right. Exactly. How would you define a coach? I love um, this question. Very, very similar. I would say it's someone who helps you help yourself. Oh yeah. Perfect. Same thing, I like yeah. yours better. Damn it. You can take it. <laughs> I just bought the domain name. <laughs> I've locked it in. But you can buy it from me. No, that's really good. That's really amazing. So now we know a little bit about you and I want to just yeah. like, I think my favorite episodes are the ones where I just get to have amazing conversations with amazing people. So I figure we just start with like in 14 years of running your own business and being a life coach, what is something that you see as probably one of the most important factors to an entrepreneur's success? Like what differentiates those that do become successful from those that, that don't? Yeah. It's such a great question because I love being successful. And I think you can probably relate to this too. We're going to have to talk about this. Like I love that I make millions and millions of dollars. Like the amount of money I make makes no sense. Like we'll make 25 million this year. It makes no sense. Right. And I love that. And I love that it brings people out of the woodwork that want to know how I did it. Right. They're like, Oh, how do you make so much money? How, you know, it's like, and I love that I get to say, Feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Feelings. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because they want the tactic. They want like, oh, no. who did you hire? What is the agency? Facebook ad? Like, what was your headline? Like, what does your funnel look like? And I just want to say, listen, the most important factor to my success and to everyone's success is the feeling that fuels your action. That is it. That is the answer. And of course, I feel like this with you too, is like, people want to hear you talk about the woo. They want to hear you talk about all that stuff. I think partially because you've proven that it works. Well, and that's what I was going to say to you is that there must, I have to assume that part of why you love being as successful as you are, uh, and I love that as well, is that the more your business grows, the more money you're making, all that stuff. It's like the more people will have to listen. Yes. Right. It's like you can't ignore it. Well, exactly. And you know, like someone said to me one time, like what I teach at the life coach school is a model, which is basically your thoughts, create your feelings, feelings, create your actions, your actions, create your results. I didn't Mm -hmm. make up this reality. I just put it in a format that we can utilize. Right. So someone said to me one time years ago, well, if that's true, if your thoughts are what create your ultimate reality, why don't you just make a million dollars? And I was like, huh, maybe I will. (laughs) And then I did. And then I said, now, wait a minute if I could prove that that was true with a million dollars, why not two? Why not three? So now I want to do it with a hundred million because why not? Why not do it with a hundred million? Okay. I love this. So that's really the big, the game for you right now is, is a hundred million. Yeah. And last year was a big growth year for you. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. We did 17 million last year. We'll do 25 million this year. 25 this year. So let's talk about that because this is something that's really fascinated me is I'm the type of person that really pushes people to have bigger goals. Mm -hmm. But I believe there's a shadow side to that for most people. Not Mm -hmm. for me. I used to be right. Not for me anymore. And it's that, that when people create that big goal, they tend to, it tends, it tends to like scare them so much Mm -hmm. that it actually affects their performance. So having a goal that's more than like five times where you're at right now, Mm -hmm. what are your types of thoughts when you even focus on a hundred million as a possibility? Well, I think, to answer your question, it's like, there's so many, I mean, I feel amazing about my goal and I don't feel rushed and I don't feel like I'm going to, here's the other thing. Let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. I know it's not better there than here. And I think wow. that's the secret. Yeah. Yep. 
let's just say that again. It's not better there than here. No. And it's not better here than it was there either. But that's the lie we tell ourselves, right? So this is a lot of what you teach as well. It's when we think, oh, as soon as I make a hundred grand, as soon as I make a million, as soon as I make 10 million, then something great's going to happen, right? Then I'm going to feel worthy. Then I'm going to feel accomplished. Then I'm going to feel successful. Then I'm going to be who I am, right? And so then we turn on all the jets and we start hustling. We start burning it. We're like, I'm willing to work all night and all day. And we burn ourselves out. And then we get there. And what we realize is that it's not any better than it was here. So then people say, well, why do you do it then? What is the point of doing it if it's not better than it is here? Well, how would you answer that? Okay. Here's my answer to that. Okay. Because as soon as you said that, my answer was already like screaming in my mind. Yeah. And this, but I think I can only answer this myself. I don't know. Of course. For me, I am passionately obsessed with discovering my true potential. Yes. It's my personal journey of getting curious about what else am I capable of? What else can I do? And I was playing around with this idea of like, I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, it's exciting to tap into your true potential. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like this idea of like, in the pursuit of pursuing your true potential, you'll always fall short because we are limitless potential. Yes. And it's also, it's just always discovering what else, who else can I become? What else am I capable of? What else can I learn about myself that I didn't know? Mm -hmm. And I was asked by someone on on an episode, James, what would you say is one of your biggest accomplishments in your life? And I said, Mm -hmm. building my team. They asked Mm -hmm. me why. And it was immediate. I said, nothing's been more challenging in my life. The hardest thing I've ever done, but I have grown the most. I've discovered what a leader is, who it is to be a leader, how to communicate effectively, how to move and inspire to create a vision so real that you can get a group of 20 people to see it, taste it, touch it, smell it. And that's why I do it. I mean, how exciting is that to like play in that? I don't know. It's just, I love that. It's awesome. And this is the thing that we have to remember as like entrepreneurs, the the way that I love to describe it is we were hunters, right? And then all of a sudden we have to become farmers when we have these teams, right? And it's the complete opposite. It's like you have to completely sacrifice who you were to become who you want to be. And that is crazy hard, right? So anyone that does that, I'm just like, dude, I I feel no joke. So I have to assume who you were 14 years ago is, is not how you see yourself. No. Had to go through several like entrepreneurial deaths (laughs) and rebirths. You know what's cool though? And I think this is something people don't really, I I think people don't really grasp this. They're like, oh, easy for you to say. But I know now that I am not one drop, one centimeter, one like pinch more worthy now than I was then. Right. But has your belief about your worthiness changed? 100%. But that's the only thing that's changed. I was just as worthy them as I am now. People think, oh, I will get to this place where I'll be more worthy. I'll be more lovable. I'll be more acceptable. All of the things. And just to know. And I think that's what makes me so unattached to what I've created too, right? And that's what, of course, makes it so fun is, you know, you get to this place. If you think your worthiness is based on your success, then when you get there, you're so worried about losing it. Oh, yeah. Because then if you take it away, then I'm not worthy again. Right. But if you just know I'm worthy, this is just for fun. And it's kind of like those, it's like somebody who's really good 
playing a sport or something, then all of a sudden they make it to the playoffs and they choke. And it's because in their mind, they believe that there's more at stake. That's and I right. have to imagine that if you believe that your worthiness, your identity of who you are as a human being is at stake in yeah. this phase in your business. Yeah. You're probably going to choke. <laughs> it's right. But don't you think that's the natural way to think? Like, I don't think so many of us think that way. And it's not because there's something wrong with us. It's just almost like our brain wants to go there. It's so fascinating to watch all of my students because we both work with students that want to get to that seven figures, right? And and they can finally be enough and good enough. Exactly. And to watch the brain do that and be so afraid of that is so fascinating. So I I think that is the game. Like I always look at it as like a tennis match. Yeah. You versus that other part of you that's and you're just constantly like that's the game to win in your in your mind i guess totally that's what once i think that skill once you understand that once you understand that your brain's always going to feed you negative thoughts that's by design then you can just see them for what they are that's when you're like wait a minute yeah this could start to get fun and it does it really does so do you work with people at that level when they're struggling with beliefs about oh yeah yeah deservedness yeah so let's let's give people something really tactical that will bring us right back to our mind so one of the things i think there's two ways that people do this and i think you have to know who you're talking to when you give advice to people because some people if you tell them not to hustle (laughs) that's the wrong advice and some people you tell to hustle and that's the wrong advice right so i think there's two types of people that are like entrepreneurs. There's the ones that are the hustlers and there are the ones that are the procrastinators (laughs) and the hustlers are fueling their activity from inadequacy and hurry and competition. Right. And so they're getting success, but it's at their own expense. And then there's the procrastinators that want everything to be perfect and they're waiting and you know, they're waiting for, you know, their self doubt to go away and their worry and their fear to go away before they, you know, will step into the world and neither one of them get the kind of success that they want in their lives. And so how do you know which one you are is first of all, you look, are you hustling and just producing a lot without a lot of success? And are you tired? (laughs) Are you burnt out? Or are you waiting to become unstuck, right? Do you have a lot of those kind of feelings? And if either one of those are fueling your success, a lot of times in your mind, you get the idea that like, but then once I get to success, then I'm going to feel different. Yeah. That's the secret. So if, if, the, if you want to have the ultimate success, and this is why I love making more than a million dollars. This is the answer to one of those questions, right? Why do you want to make more than a million dollars? Cause you can't hustle your way past a million. Mm, you can't. No, you, you absolutely can't. Cause you will die. <laughs> you, you, unless you can figure out how to not sleep anymore if you can well, some them. people do figure that out <laughs> yeah. yeah but isn't that why the million dollars is so awesome right because you can do that oh i think i mean you can do that 300 500 you can just like but then you just that so many people then they just decide this isn't for me anymore i need to give up my business and focus on what matters right mm-hmm. i need to focus on my family and what matters where they can coexist right why is this an a or b conversation yes right yeah So I think that checking in and seeing what is the emotion fueling me in my business right now is one of the most important questions you can ask yourself because first of all, most entrepreneurs aren't really in tune with what their vibration is, what their feeling is. And so they get all the way to a million and they are exhausted and they're like, oh, that was stress. That was inadequacy. That was worry that was doing that for me. So, and that's what you said earlier about what you look at as one of the most important factors is 
yep. the feeling that fuels that action. So can we even get more specific? Yeah. So like, let's even look at the type of person that is what you would put into that category of being the hustler. Yeah. How are you saying that that, that emotion would feel for them when they're yeah. from hustle? Yeah. So if you've ever gone to any of these big group masterminds or anything like that, you can always tell these people because they're very important and they're very busy and they got to go and they don't have a lot of time and they, you know, they got the things to do and their calendars just went and they you can't do this and you can't do it. And they're talking really fast and they need to know the answer right now. They're always in a hurry there, but they feel like they're busy because they're important, but it's all just a cover for that inadequacy that they're trying so desperately. By the way, that was my side. Oh yeah. That was me. Was it, where, which side were you? hundred percent. Me too. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. that's why it's, it's very funny you say this because I actually do really agree about like, contextually who you're speaking to, the advice is going to be different. Of course. I started the show with like, stop the hustle because that's what I was doing. And it really, I can call back exactly how you're describing right now to like, yep, that was me. I needed people to know I was busy. Mm -hmm. Now I'm significant and important. Mm -hmm. And and I reached that point where you get all the results and nothing changes. And that's a very scary, it was very scary for me. Yes. I'm the same. I feel the same way. I see, I feel just as inadequate. I feel just as much of a loser as I was as a kid in in high school. Yet here I am with all this money. But don't you think it's actually worse? Like this is what I think. I love working with people who've already achieved all the things. They're thin, you know, a lot, so many of my clients want to lose weight. So they're thin, they got the husband, they got the money, they have the successful business. So now there's nothing to chase. There's nothing out there that's going to take that away. I think the depression gets, and the fear gets compounded in that moment. That's why the sabotage comes in. Absolutely. So Uh, fascinating uh, to watch. Yeah. So that, that was me too. I was always trying to outrun my own insecurity by outworking. Yep. So, yeah. So, okay. That, I think that's a really good description. And then the procrastinator is, is more like the perfectionist. Yeah. Well, let's stay with the hustler for just a minute, because I think it's important that like, if you are the hustler, you don't feel like it's negative emotion. You don't feel the inadequacy because you're so busy and you're so, you know, important and you're so like distraction. Totally. It it like really does feed itself because you're so busy that you don't, you don't have time to pay attention to your emotions. But I'll tell you what emotions were really present for me. Yes. Impatience. Yes. That was the biggest one. I was so impatient and because I was so impatient, it wasn't happening fast enough. Why isn't this? now. Yes. And it was just frustration and anger frustration, and, yep. and stress. And that was yep. my life for like four years. Yep. And you're always making excuses for how it is right now. And it'll be different. Once the launch is over, then it'll be good. Right. Once the, the thing happens, then it'll be good. And you finally wake up realizing you take this storm with you wherever you go, <laughs> no matter now, what you're working on. Yeah. Now let's talk about this for a minute, because when we tell people that, like if I said to you back then, listen, you need to just slow down, access your emotions. Mm-hmm. You just need to check your limiting beliefs, right? Yeah. You might've punched me in the throat. I would have punched you oh, yeah. in the throat had you told me that. So yeah. one of the questions I always wonder about is how can I be better at being heard with that person to prevent them from having to go through that whole process? What are you know, your thoughts I ask on myself that? that same question. And I yeah. do believe I've had stories of uh, growing up and, and I think it serves me, but I, I think I adopted stories and beliefs about James wasn't heard. Mm. And, and so I actually, as much as I can look through the lens, especially with the podcast, like how can I make sure I say this so people hear me 
Yes. Not just get this conceptually, but they see, just like you gave this beautiful definition of a coach, like really see themselves in that Mm -hmm. and be like, wow. So, you know, I'm, I'm always in that question as, as well. Yeah. Cause we're afraid when we're there, right? We're afraid that if we stop hustling, that we won't meet our goal. Mm -hmm. We're afraid that we're just going to be mediocre. It's like the worst advice we think when someone tells us to slow down and stop the hustle, because it's what's worked. Yep. And the funny thing is, is as uncomfortable physically and painful it can be to be burning your physical body out like that, it's still, there's so much familiarity and certainty that can come with all that effort. That's right. It's like, at least it gives me something to kind of hold on to. Yep. So I'll just say, you know, to kind of to start to address your answer, like, I'll just know, I remember when I, it was first told to me, I've told some of these stories before on the podcast of, uh, I started learning Reiki and doing energy work. Mm. I thought this was the biggest nonsense BS. And I did mm. it like a girl in there and they would tell me all this stuff. And I'm just like, I'd kind of give them the lip service, like nod the head. And I was like, these people are ridiculous. And, yeah. You know, I'm just grateful enough that I was enough of a scientist that I started seeing evidence mm. started to change and slowly and surely I, I adopt a new way, but it really wasn't until, and this is kind of brings back full circle what we're, just talking about, it wasn't until I really heard people that were walking the talk that had the results that I wanted. Yes. If I'm being really honest, there were, I was starting to read some of these books about spirituality and stuff and the people talking about all this stuff to me, they didn't have, and that's fine. They didn't have the life that I wanted. They didn't have business. They didn't have millions of dollars in the bank. And I found some people that did. And that was when I finally opened myself up enough to listen. So I would say the first answer is who we are as a messenger is a big critical piece, you know? And And isn't it interesting that the wealth you've created is a huge part of that. That's what I think is so fascinating. It's like, it's not like there's spirituality and then there's money and we need to separate them out. And in order to be spiritual, you can't have money. That's the opposite. As soon as you access all of this information, then it's so much easier to make the money. 100%. And we have to remind ourselves that the term spirituality is a man-made word anyways. Exactly. It was a, you know, and so to, to create a box of what is spirituality and what is not is that's a man or woman made decision to put things in a box and not put it in a box. So good. Yes. I'll tell you this, like, you know, we, we've all dealt with our own stuff and when money even comes in quicker and faster and, you know, you start to experience what might be like an upper limit thing. Yeah. I always lean back to say, I'm here to be the proof of what's possible for somebody else. And yes. I know that people will receive my message more when I am demonstrating it through who I am, what I still love it. And you know, anytime there's like any, Oh, I mean, like, should I, get this or buy that? Or is that too much? Are we making too much too fast kind of thing? That's where that gives me some peace of mind. Yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, it's almost like I have to remember where I was in my head during that time. And sometimes, you know, speaking in the language of business and money is one of the ways to get there. And so I've talked to a lot of people where I say, listen, instead of saying, Hey, you need to, you know, find that you're the deepest power you're ever going to have in your life to make money is in your mind and your emotions, they're not going to hear me say that. But if I say, Hey, you can't do it this way in scale, right? You can't, it's kind of like what we just said. You can't hustle your way to $5 million. How are you going to do that? And so I think sometimes that's super helpful. What you're doing 
with running on this treadmill isn't working. I'm not telling you to get off the treadmill and go lay on the couch, right? (laughs) I'm telling you to get off the treadmill, take a breath and think this through and let's do it in a really, you know, so you can leverage all the power. And, And that's the other thing too, is I don't think most of us know how powerful our mind is. No. Now, now that, that brings me to my next question is for yeah. someone that's been playing with the mind and emotions for so long, I have yeah. to imagine that you've developed quite the mastery of your own mind yes. and your own emotions. And yes. so a couple of questions around that that I have is, do you still get coaching from others? Yes. Okay. So you do. Of course. And you, you find yourself being able to, to coach yourself out of things or catching yourself quickly. What, what does that kind of look like for you? So I think for me, what is, and I'm sure this is for you too. It used to be that I felt terrible all the time and every once in a while I'd have a positive emotion. (laughs) And now I have a pretty good, I call it 50, 50 basis of emotion. But so I would say that half the time I feel amazing and half the time I have negative emotion, but what's happened is I'm not mad about the negative emotion now. Yeah. I'm not trying to push it away. I'm not mad about being mad or sad about being sad. I understand that that's part of our human experience. And the bigger the goal, the more that, this goes back to your question earlier, right? You set these big goals and then it brings up all that negativity and it ends up being a problem because all of the doubt and insecurity comes up, the bigger the goal is. And now because I'm able to process negative emotion and allow it to be there and not see it as a problem, just to see it as a contrast to positive and see that it's part of the deal, then it's almost kind of interesting. It's like, oh, look at that come up. Let me see how I can process that. And knowing that processing doubt and fear and all of those things is part of the process to get to that emotion, then it's totally worth it. Yeah. Does it, I mean, cause it's so freeing right? like, and I, I, I couldn't agree enough. I think, I think the biggest lie that we're told is that our mind is not powerful. Our thoughts are not right. Powerful. Our emotions aren't, you know, like I remember being a kid and learning about things like a noun, a noun is a person, place or thing. I remember being a kid and learning. you have five senses. I don't ever remember in school growing up, someone explaining what emotions are. No, I feel like we go through our whole lives and no one tells you what emotions are. Right. And you have to start to assume if no one's telling me what they are, it's easy for most people to say, well, then they're not important. And I just believe today that our mental, emotional, everything state world is our most powerful ally. Of course. Most of us are using it against ourselves. It's like, we've turned this most powerful weapon against ourselves I don't know. I just think we have to be able to free ourselves from. Right. I think the problem is not only we're not taught about emotion, but, but we have this underlying message our whole life that the goal is to be happy. Mm. Right. So then we, so this is how I think about it. Right. Okay. If the goal is to be happy, then I need to be happy about everything. Okay. If I want to be happy all the time, I have to be happy about everything, which means I have to be happy when people die and people are hurt and people are abused and there's terrible things that happen. Okay. Well, that's impossible. I don't want to be happy about those things. So then the answer is to change the broken world, right? I change the broken world. So nothing's wrong in the world. Then I can be happy all the time. Well, I mean, we've been trying to do that. That doesn't work. So then I came to the place. Well, wait a minute. Maybe we're not supposed to be happy on the, all the time. How do I know that? Because none of us are. And maybe we're not supposed to have everything go exactly perfectly in the world all the time because it doesn't. And as soon as I reconcile that, 
that's when all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, the video game is supposed to have villains in it, right? <laughs> this is all part of the design. Wait, maybe, just maybe this could be fun. And yeah. that's when I feel like when you accept the world and the, and the human emotion the way it is, I think that's when it gets fun. So I do think we should be told that from the beginning. Hey, by the way, you're not going to be happy all the time. And it's not a bad thing. Right. And I think it would be very boring. If, it if we were happy all the time. Yeah. There's, yeah, it'd, um, be like, it'd be like winning the lottery or winning at the casino all day, every day. Exactly. You think you look at a movie, a movie without conflict, a movie without high stakes is a right. bad thing. Everyone just is skinny and loves each other and gets yeah. along. Yeah. And that's it for two <laughs> and hours. it's rich, right? right. Everyone's ri- everyone succeeds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's not, that's not why we go and see the movie. You know, we see them like almost lose everything and hit that bottom and then come back. And I think that's the thing is that like, well, wait a second, your hero's journey, your movie's playing out. Mm -hmm. And then I think people stop at that critical climax moment. And it's like, well, this is, this is your, your moment to shine. This is your, your final climax, you against the villain. But people think it's too painful, right? So we get to that point where we're just about to succeed or our launch doesn't work or, you know, the Facebook ad or Facebook, what do they do? They make us so we can't run ads, whatever it is that we come up against. And we think this is just too painful because no one's taught us that we can process that, that we can open up to it, that it it actually is harmless, right? We're taught that it's like so big and scary and you better run away from it instead of like, no, let's go bring it. Totally. Bring up, and you don't even have to call it failure. Just bring the pain of not having won this time and let's move towards it. So I've, I make this a secret goal with a lot of the, my clients and my mastermind, because it's been a goal for me, which is when those things happen, our goal is to really not give an F about any of it. Right. And I don't, I, is that been your experience? Like when things like that, like, Oh, your Facebook ads account got shut down, you know, or Oh, this got disapproved or this yeah. is really backed out. Like, is that kind of, I think there's two ways to look at it. I think some things you just shouldn't give an F about, right? It's just like, that's not even worth my time. Like somebody putting a negative comment on Facebook, like I don't even look at it, yeah. but like some of the things that like open up the pain in me, right. That like bring up that really negative vibration. I often just want to like embrace it. Like go, like I had this experience one time. It's so profound for me. My son got in a car accident and it was really scary. It was with a pedestrian. A pedestrian ran out in front of him. He just got his license. It was really scary. And I was like, so freaked out by it. And I felt myself wanting to shut it down and move on and get over it. And right. And I decided, you know what, this is just one of the days in the human experience where this is what I'm feeling. And I felt myself like walk into it. And it was weird. It was like, even though it's a negative emotion, it didn't feel so negative anymore. I felt like I got some authority over it. I felt like it was totally fine. And so now sometimes when my business doesn't do what I want it to do, darn it, right? When when it doesn't get what, you know, I'm just like, what if I just opened up and moved towards it instead of trying to like hide from it? So, well, this is, um, I was actually going to do an entire episode talking about things like where I feel people, the problem with things like law of attraction, which mm. when interpreted incorrectly can have people anytime there's a problem or something negative, mm. they, um, you know, kind of just bury their head in the sand. 
Oh, right. Because if they think that, then they're going to create more of it, right? Isn't yeah. that the idea? Yeah. Exactly. But of course, they're sitting there going like, don't think of the problem. Don't think of the problem. Whatever you do, <laughs> as the first piece. But I want to give a very specific example yeah. that is really in align with exactly what you just said about like leaning into that. Whereas we, I had a, an experience recently with a member on the team where there was just an issue that came up. They had a problem and they were unhappy, very unhappy. And it would have been very easy to just go that route and be like, well, I'll just ignore it mm-hmm. and not focus on it. Focus on pretty things like rainbows. Exactly. <laughs> and it'll go away. Mm-hmm. And I chose the same way you described. I mean, obviously the stakes are a lot higher with something as scary as like an accident, right, right. but it's still analogous that I just said, I'm going to lean into this mm-hmm. and we're going to deal with it. Yeah. And we're going to sit with it until we get to the outcome we want. And it was dealt with in 20, 30 minutes. Right. You know, and that's where I didn't go into it. I went into it like committed and, and like fully believing like we're going to resolve this, mm-hmm. you know, but I leaned into a painful. And by the way, like, and you probably know from building a team, like you got to have uncomfortable conversations. Oh my goodness. Yes. You can't. I said this recently because I, I help a lot of people that are like building their team say that your business will be, and your relationship with your team will be simple in direct correlation to how willing you're able to have a complicated conversation with them. Yes. I totally agree with you. You know, like you just make things so much more simple when you're not avoiding what needs to be said. And even when it's uncomfortable, like, Oh, I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know. They're going to react. And I just think that's a great example of like leaning into the pain, leaning into the problem. And I saw it through and it was like, it actually now improved the situation. Of course. And nowhere where you read anything about the law of attraction that's by anyone legit, does it say pretend not to feel negative emotion? Right. Ever. Like you don't want to sit and focus on it and fondle it and, you know, feel bad and sorry for yourself about your negative emotion. Of course, that's not going to give you a positive result in your life, but being open to the experience that maybe everything in life doesn't have to be judged in a way that makes us feel terrible. I think that's, that's one of the most important things. Well, I, I just love how you said, you know, the feeling behind the feeling like that. you Right. Of course. Scared or, you know, sad, mm-hmm. but you can feel something positive about that. You know, like even in, in something sad or tragic, you can feel grateful that the fact that you're feeling sad means that, you know, you had an experience to love somebody. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I have, um, I struggle. I used to, I should say struggle. I don't struggle with it so much anymore. I have tons of anxiety. I wake up anxious and I used to spend a lot of time trying to get rid of it and trying to figure it out and working on it. And I felt like I'm a life coach. I shouldn't have this. And then I just made peace with anxiety, which sounds (laughs) ironic, right? But it's like, so I wake up and the way that I describe it is just, I carry a heavy purse with me and I'm not mad at it. I'm not upset about it because what was making my life so tragic in so many ways, why I was drinking so much alcohol was I was so upset that I had anxiety. I was so anxious about my own anxiety that I decided, what if I just dropped the double layer, the compounding and just stopped being anxious about it. And that's really changed everything for me. And listen, if you want to set huge goals for yourself, you're going to have to make peace with the terror that will be involved. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Totally. But it's, it's always worth it. Totally worth it. And, and, 
it's not even that big of a deal when you really start allowing your emotions. It's just, it's harmless. You don't even have to like freak out so much about it. But of course, no one teaches us that. No one does. No. Well, I also like when you use this kind of metaphor of it being like a purse, it's, it's something that is still outside of you. Yeah. Isn't you. It isn't me. Of course not. I have this like anxiety purse that I'm going to hold my hand for a little bit. And it's almost like I have the authority over it. I tell it what we're going to do today instead of me reacting to it and drinking or reacting to it and freaking out. And, you know, I'm just like, no, no, it's here, but I got, it's my little pet. (laughs) It's just this little little thing here. Have you found over the years in, in coaching, like tools that help in the moment with if you're, if you're going through anxiety other than that, or is it just as simple as that kind of changing your relationship with it? Yeah. So what I teach, I kind of alluded to it early is the whole idea of the model, which is, and of course this is what's true. So I'm not the only one that teaches it, but whenever you have a feeling, you have a thought causing it, right? You have a belief that is causing it. And so a lot of times what I'll teach my students to do is you first, you have to acknowledge and name the feeling first, and then see if you can access the thought causing it. And that is not so you can change it immediately and feel happy. Right. It is just so you can see, oh, isn't it interesting when my brain thinks this, I feel this. When I believe this sentence in my mind, I feel this vibration in my body. And as soon as you can step out of yourself to observe it, you don't feel it as much anymore, right? So it's like, if you're feeling anxiety, you feel like you are anxiety. But then as soon as you witness yourself having anxiety, you get to be the witness and the witness isn't having the anxiety. Because now you're having a new thought. Which is exactly, which is look at my anxiety. (laughs) All of a sudden you're feeling curious and you're feeling interested and you're feeling, you know, fascinated instead of feeling just anxious. We're having all sorts of thoughts all at once, but when we can deliberately decide what we want to observe and think, that's when we feel less, less of at effect of our emotions. Because then we can just choose a new thought. Exactly. But you don't even have to, at that point, choose a new thought because you've already gone into that witness mode where there's so much relief. How um, woo-woo do you get? I go all the way to the woo. Really? Do you teach it with your coaches and your students? I teach, this is what's funny and don't tell anyone. Okay. No, don't tell anybody. (laughs) We won't air this. (laughs) I teach in a very like logical, realistic way. So I teach the model in the sense, you know, your thoughts create your feelings, actions, results, which of course is the law of attraction, right? Mm -hmm. That is what the law of attraction is. That is your mind create. That is magic is what it is, right? So I don't teach so much in the woo. I mean, everybody knows that I've studied a lot of Abraham and a lot of Byron Katie. I don't bring a lot of that into the direct teaching of it, but it's all the underlying foundation. That's something that I always have loved is whether someone wants to label it spiritual or, you know, woo and all that stuff or not, is you just find the same principles and the same truths with just different labels and different terms. That's exactly right. Yeah. That was very um, reassuring to me that it wasn't like, well, who's right? It's like, wait a second. It's the same, it's the same thing being shared everywhere. If you just, you know, get rid of the terms and the labels and you know, what context you're putting it under and it's all the same thing. Right. Right. But I think it's misinterpreted, right? When you hear people talk about the law of attraction, oh, just think the thought and it will happen. And by the way, that is true. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. But when you tell people, like when you think that thought, you'll feel a certain way, which means you'll vibrate in a certain way, which means you'll put yourself in the position where that can happen. Like 
They just want to know what is the action line, but right. there is no tell action line. Do. Just tell exactly. me what to do. Yeah. Exactly. But what matters so much more, and this is going full circle, right? What matters so much more than what you do is how you feel when you're doing it. And people, that's really challenging for really, you know, linear people who haven't studied any of this other stuff to understand. Like, but you can tell them if you're doing something out of stress, you're not going to get a good result if you're doing something out of confidence. So that's the law of attraction. But if you say it like that, it sounds pretty logical and sensible. Right? It, it does. And here's where, whether this is logical or not, I'll let our listeners decide, but this has been a conversation I've been having in one of our groups that I really mm-hmm. want people to get is that when you're selling, cause face it, you know, whether you want to accept the truth or not, we're, we're all selling. We all need to sell course, if we want yes. to build our business is that let's say you're in a launch or a promotion, or maybe you're on your podcast, your audience predominantly people following you, the people that need your stuff and ultimately want to sign up with you, they're matching your state. Of course they are. They're matching your frequency. So you just show someone, just like you're saying, do these actions, do these steps, and you're doing it from a place of fear, doubt, worry, concern, uncertainty. They are matching that state. And that means they're in fear. It's just, you know, you've seen an example of like someone who's uncomfortable on stage at a conference, you feel uncomfortable. And that nervousness, they're not going to buy and they're not going to invest in somebody that's nervous and lacks confidence. No, no. It's like, I always related it back to like the guy that wants to learn how to pick up a girl at the bar Yeah, sit there and say, give me the line to say, right? Give me the line. Give me the question to ask. And version one, or, you know, a guy gives the line to the, the dating coach, gives the line to two guys. And we both know that the guy who goes up there and is like, um, hey, can, can, can I get you a drink? <laughs> you, you, we both, he did it. He took the action. That, yeah. That tone of voice is not going to work. <laughs> that is not hot, like, James. Wow, James, you, you were really good at that. <laughs> Have you been practicing that? <laughs> yes, my whole life. Um, but even in that, but think about even just like the energy behind that, that tonality, that there is a belief of she's going to say no. Of course. Versus the person's like, what are you drinking? Let me get you some. Let me get you whatever you're drinking. You know, it's like, he's already answering. He's already saying it like knowing. Of course. To say yes. And it's just a matter of which drink she wants. And imagine if we like approach our actions that way, not from, you know, all this, all this fear. But don't you watch this with your, this is really great working in groups of people that is so fascinating to watch. You give them both the same assignment, right? And one of them's killing it and one of them isn't. And the one that isn't wants to talk to the one that's killing it. Like, what are you doing? Show me your ad, show me your thing, show me, right? And they could do it exactly the same way. But so I don't know if that's not science, I don't know what is. How do you explain that two people can do the exact same thing and get a different result if their intentionality behind it doesn't matter? That is a very common thing we see is when, when somebody has that success, they want to come back and say, but what did you do? It's like, no, no, I just followed exactly what. What they should ask is tell me what you're feeling. Wow. I think if people just got that, that's, yes. that's huge. Tell me what was going through your mind. Tell me yes. what you're feeling. What was your state? Yes. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Because and, what's going through your mind is like one person is like, I hope this works. Yeah. Let's see if this works. The other person like, this is going to be so amazing. I'm going to kill it. Yeah. I can't wait to give, like, this is what a lot of my really successful students, like, I can't wait for my students to get this information. You know, it is really as simple as that for us as coaches, right. as personal brand entrepreneurs is to, when you shift your focus to just helping people, 
it can, it can change a lot of that emotional state. Now I know stuff comes up and I'm sure your students get this a lot. It's like, which is probably why they come to you to, to help with a lot of that is like, what if I don't have what it takes to help somebody? Mm-hmm. And I know this has to be your experience too, but I think the biggest way in which we help people is when we can believe in them more than they are believing in themselves. That doesn't even take a skill. When you can see for them what they can't see for themselves, you're already helping them. I mean, I look back, I, I told this story recently, I think on the podcast, but it's a friend of mine reminded me. They said, do you remember like 10 years ago when you called me and you were ready to give up because you went to an event and there was somebody there who had been running a business for less time than you and they were making more money? Mm. I made a dollar yet. And I said like, you're going to do it. You're going to make it. It's just a matter of time. You're not giving up. I won't let you give up. I blocked that out. And I'm like, what a gift I had that someone believed in me and yes. I'm going to keep going. You know, that yeah. changed my life. I could have just thrown in the town there in that moment. They didn't. Well, and, and I think the other thing that's so important, like I'm hoping that people that are struggling with this will really hear it is you may not have experience. You may not know if you'll have an impact on someone. You may not, you know, believe that you can help someone, but I think people feel like, they are required to think certain things if they happen to be true, right? So it's like, well, I don't have a lot of experience. So if I don't have a lot of experience, I better keep that in mind. And what I always want to say is like, listen, there are so many things that are true that you don't ever have to think about, right? So when you think, I don't know if I'm going to be able to have an impact, that could be true. Maybe you don't know if you're going to have an impact, but thinking that thought, isn't helping. So even though it's true, just lay it down. Be like, okay, I agree. That could be true. And then just lay it down, but let's think something else. It's, it can be as simple as that. It's almost like we need permission to not think about what could go wrong or what, what to worry about. So I think that like if people could just get that, like, I think we feel like we need permission on what we, what we're allowed to think about ourselves. I think people think they need permission with everything. Right. And I think it's because we're conditioned Let's just give them permission right now. Yeah. I would love that. How do we, how do we officially do that so that they are listening and actually get that? Hey, listen, we're adults and we just checked with the authorities. The mayors of the internet. And here are the rules. You can think that you're amazing and that you can make as much money as you want and you can help as many people as you possibly can. And that is true, right? This is one of the things that I think is kind of fun about our work is like, well, you can believe whatever you want and no one can tell you that you can't. Yep. That is freeing. And that's power right there. And I like sometimes think things about myself and I don't tell anyone. And I feel like I'm getting away with like believing in myself. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Which, what, the last thing I wanted to talk, talk about, but hold on, let me just, I just, sorry, I had to give the stamp of approval and permission to everybody out there. So it's official. It's official. You all have permission now. So go to let go of all that negative stuff. Even if it's true, yep. even if it's true, you don't have to think it. Yeah. Well, speaking of what's true, yes. speaking of thoughts and then yes. speaking of beliefs, what is your definition of beliefs and, and what is your relationship with the nature of beliefs with the work you're doing with your, with your students? Okay. So I think a thought is just a sentence in your mind. And I think a belief is just a thought you keep on thinking. And I borrowed that belief from Abraham. I didn't make up that saying, but I truly, I truly believe that that is the case. A belief is just a thought that you've thought a lot of times. So you have a groove in your brain that makes it super easy to think it. And you think it without even noticing that you're thinking. Right. It's like a, it's just a subconscious thought. You think this is what I tell my students all the time. You think you're just observing the world 
right? You think you're just making an observation, but really it's just a belief. So you'll look at something and say, that's not good. And you'll think that that's an observation, but really that's just a belief system. And you can't even recognize it, right? You'll think so that's a fact. Yeah, you'll think, you think it's a fact. That's truth when it's, and yeah. that's, that's what's crazy is because when I started going through that process, and I really do think all entrepreneurs have to be willing to do this, you start questioning your own beliefs. Right. And you find yourself questioning everything that you thought was true. Which is really challenging because you have a complete identity crisis, right? Because your identity is just all of the beliefs that you have about the world and yourself. And so when you start questioning that, it can feel super scary to it's like... How much like certainty that's taken out, like the rug mm -hmm. is pulled right from out. Yeah. Room. But I always, I always say to my students, you have to be willing to have been wrong about yourself this whole time. Like maybe you can lose weight. Maybe you can make a million dollars. Maybe you can quit drinking, whatever it is you want to do. Are you willing to be wrong about it? Cause you've believed it against it for so long. And do you think that that's what can end up holding a lot of people back is that it's, it is more important for them to be right about it. I think it's not that it's more important. I think it's just too scary to go through that experience of being wrong. Like that, does, that it's not that like, well, I'm right. And I'm better than you. Cause I'm right. It's more like, it's kind of like if you have believed your whole life that someone was your parent and then you find out that they're not right. Mm -hmm that would be so discombobulating and scary and weird and awful that you'd want to go back to, wait, you're kidding, right? Like, yeah. let's go back to how it had been, even if it weren't true, right? So I think that's what happens for our thoughts about ourselves, even when they're negative. Like I have so many students that come to me and they're like, I can't do that because I was abused as a child, or I can't do that because I'm not very good reader. Or I'm not very smart, or I didn't go to college or whatever. I'm like, oh, what if you're totally wrong about all of that? That is. Yeah. yeah. It does. It, it, it's it, fun to be wrong. Can we just tell them that? Like, <laughs> it really, it really can like be pro tip. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what if Santa really did exist? Yes. Your parents actually lied to you and he said he didn't. That would start to get me questioning. Ooh, I like that. Without, no, that's always the belief that was interesting to me. Cause like, you know, our parents tell us these things as a kid and you just, yeah. some of them, they start to tell you, okay, Santa wasn't real, yeah. but then there are other ones that they don't like That's right. keep on believing like things that you had to tell a kid at a young age, like, like money doesn't grow on trees. And here's another one that's even more simple. Don't talk to strangers. Right. Think about if you're still an adult, right. Like going to a networking event and it's like, but don't talk to strangers at yeah. the networking event. <laughs> like, when did we say, wait a second, I'm 35 years old. I Maybe I still haven't questioned that one. Oh yeah. my gosh. I think that's my problem. Right. Are you an introvert? I still run from people at social events. Is oh, that I why? I, I, maybe. Are you an introvert? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's more because I'm an introvert or because we still believe those things, but I always find those fascinating. It's like, did a moment come in time in our lives when we questioned all the stuff that was, we needed to believe in at that age? You know, we shouldn't, when you're six, you should not be talking to strangers. Let's just all right. agree on that. Let's tell um, the six-year-olds that are listening. <laughs> oh, and by the way, don't be driving while you're listening. <laughs> six -year -olds. Exactly. Uh, or, or playing our drinking game. <laughs> but you can make a million dollars as soon as you're seven. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, I've always been fascinated by that. Like, where does that point in time come where we start to question a lot of things that we were told. It's just the way the world is. Oh yeah. And that's when life gets fun though, isn't it? Because that's when all of the like 
chains that you have that you don't even know you have can get broken. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, this is awesome. I could talk to you forever. Right. Uh, so fun. I know it's really cool. So before we wrap up, is there any, um, final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners that you feel like would just kind of wrap up this episode? Yeah. Let me just summarize kind of my whole thesis behind this. The, the question we started with is like, what is the most important factor for success? People ask me a lot, do you think there's an it factor? Do you think you have an it factor? And I say, yes. And I think so does everybody else. Yes. I think we all have the it factor within ourselves. And the most important question you can ask yourself is how you are feeling. If you want to know how successful you're going to be, ask yourself how you're feeling right now, not how you're going to feel when you get there. Here's the secret. I'm sure James has told this to all y'all, but I'll remind you. The secret to getting where you want to go is to feel right now how you think you'll feel when you get there. That is the answer. And there is no other way. So if you think when you're going to get to that place that you're going to finally feel calm and assured and confident and wonderful, that's how you have to insist on feeling now in order to get there. Yeah. That, I just think that's, that's so critically important. I really hope people are listening to that and beginning to live that way because the, yeah. The alternative is very scary to get to that point where you're like, if I do make the money or I do have the success or I do get the following, I do mm -hmm. get the reputation and you don't feel any different. Again, for me was, was not a happy place to be in because then you start going, well, what else do I need to do now? How yeah. much more do I need to make? And you just keep chasing your tail. Yeah. And I think the other way to say that more in layman's terms is if your success is ever at the expense of anybody, including yourself, wow. you're doing yeah. it wrong. Yeah. It should be the exact opposite. Your success should benefit not only you, but everybody else that's around you, your team, your customers, everyone. It really can be that way. Amen. So where's the first place people should go to learn more? About well, come listen to me on my podcast because you're obviously a podcast listener. So just go right there and search the Life Coach School podcast. We talk about a lot of the same things. So I think your listeners would probably enjoy some of the stuff that I talk about over there. And then you can also find out more about if you want to get a coaching session, come over to thelifecoachschool.com. Sign up for a session. See what you think. That is awesome. We're going to link all that up in the show notes. So it's Yay. easy for everybody to head on over there. Brooke, thank you so much. Oh yeah. Thank you for reaching out and having me on. It's like such a treat. Talk uh, about law of attraction. I'm like, who wants me on their podcast? What? Come on. God. So exciting. I'm really excited too. I'm trying to keep it cool. Play yeah. Cool, play cool James. Um, <laughs> so are you on Instagram too? No, I'm not on social. Oh, well, I am, but I'm not personally. Okay. It's yeah. No, good for you. That's, that's probably how you can get to 25 million <laughs> or a hundred million. <laughs> hundred million. What are you talking about? 25 what, what's million. Your, what's your, what's your, well, 25 this year. That's what I was talking 25 about. 25 this year, a hundred yeah. million within 10 years. Yeah. We're not in a rush. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that, by the way, that's the only thing we didn't say was bringing in that time factor is like, well, you're not going to say I got to do it tomorrow, but, but yeah. I could. I'm open to the possibility of it. hundred percent. hundred percent. Cause why not? But it's not better there than here. So we're not in a hurry. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, I was going to say, if you can reach out to Brooke in any way to let her know how her message and what she shared today has impacted you. I know Brooke would love that and leave her a review on her podcast. Once yes, please. Cause it helps. It helps us all as podcasters. So do it, do it. Okay. Thank you, Brooke. Appreciate you. And guys, we'll see y'all next time on the next episode here on the mind your business podcast. Bye. 
Did you know eight out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I want to show you how to think, act, and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be so you can step into the vision that you have for your life and your business. And the best part is this program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash activate and we can get started right now.